So here we are, Christmas Sunday, we call this. Um, and all the activities, they're done. Just uh, some youth Christmas parties happening this week and then gathering Christmas Eve. It, it's amazing how quick these seasons go. And um, so it's, it's good. But we still uh, finishing out our Advent sermon series. Now, I just mentioned up front, so Pastor Dan was supposed to be preaching today. And so because of some significant COVID exposure, uh, good decision, he's just laying low, uh, which is good. And I'm kind of filling in last minute. So Pastor Dan and I had been talking about this message together, and he was preparing, and he's given me his, his notes, and I worked that. So if you, have, if you are offended by anything I say today or put off, dan.hainer at freechristian.org. You can send all your complaints that way. Um, if you're inspired by what you hear, I have kind of reworked it a little bit, so you can, we can talk afterwards. <laughs> But uh, yeah, God bless Dan uh, and his family, praying for them. Um, so we've been, what we've been doing, this for those of you who are, are, uh, haven't been with us, we've been just taking a very, the simple and obvious parts of the Christmas story and asking why, and just taking a, a deep dive on these different things. So we, we said, why virgin birth? Why Bethlehem mangers? Today, we're asking the question, why these visitors? You know, why the shepherds? Why magi or wise men? You know, why the little drummer boy? That's, we're not going to cover that one. <laughs> How that got in, I don't know what anybody would be thinking that you would play a drum for a newborn child. What kind, God chose Mary and said she was blessed among women to bear the Christ child. I mean, when, in the song when Mary nodded, I mean, she was nodding at Joseph. Get that kid out of here. You never play a drum for a newborn baby. That's crazy. It's not in the scriptures. Uh, but the, the shepherds and the wise men certainly in the scriptures. So we're saying, why these visitors? And the answer is actually obvious. It's because they're the ones who got invited. God can invite anyone he wants to his birthday party. And the, these wise men got a very clear and spectacular uh, invitation. The shepherds got a startling and surprising and massive invitation. And so we should ask ourselves, why these visitors, when God could have invited anyone, what is God trying to show us? And it's a spectacular invitation, both of them. And it's almost like the invitation outweighs the event itself. Like when you watch a, a trailer for a movie and you're really excited to go see the movie and you realize all the best stuff was in the trailer. It's actually better than the movie you watched. I mean, we get these spectacular announcements and then all it is really is a baby wrapped in cloth. I mean, it's very normal, kind of a non-spectacular thing. And so we're going to consider this sort of the spectacular and the normal and this invitation. And as we ask this question, why these visitors? The hope is that we're going to actually see ourselves in the story a little bit here. So I'm going to invite you to kind of get caught up in it and see where you might be in the story. But more than that, we're going to see God's heart. We're going to see what God was actually trying to show the world and do by inviting these, these particular guests. So uh, we want that. We want to know God's heart. We want to know God's way. And we gather here, and I pray that God would give that to us today as we, 
as we ask this question. So let's pray as we begin. So Father God, thank you. I thank you for these people sitting before me because I, I believe that you have intention in this gathering, that no one is here by accident. Nobody's listening online by accident. That you are at work and that you're teaching us and you're showing us things. So we thank you for your word. We thank you for the story that it's interesting and good and alive. And we just pray that you would use it now as we reflect um, to teach us. Show us your heart, Lord. We pray this uh, humbly, but we pray it confidently in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, let's start with the shepherds here. Why shepherds? Uh, So at the time of Jesus' birth, shepherds were sort of low-class, kind of working-class people. They weren't well-respected. It wasn't a great job to be a shepherd. They weren't people of power or privilege. They uh, were um, not very important people, but there they are. They're working the night shift, and boom, the angel appears to them and says in verse 10, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. It's this amazing announcement that this world-altering, causing great joy for all people event is happening, and it goes to these very normal, uh, very no-status kind of shepherds. We don't know exactly why God invited them or makes this announcement to them, but Perhaps the very reason is because they were ordinary. They were, the scripture says, they were nearby. They were working. They were the ones who were up. So God decides to announce it to them. At the arrival of Jesus Christ to this world, we see, and we see with the shepherds here, we see this pattern that God announces the good news of what he's doing in this world to those who are lowly, who are least likely, who are not real influential. And he uses them to bring the good news of his kingdom to the world. Think about that. This is good news on a cosmic level, and God is just giving it to normal, ordinary people to tell it to others. And time and again, we see that's how God works. One of my favorite passages in Scripture is uh, in John chapter 4, where uh, there's a woman who's out in the middle of the day at this well in this town. And you normally wouldn't be out at a well in the middle of the day, unless you're alone, if you're kind of an outcast. Because normally you would go in community early in the day, and you'd kind of be talking by the well and, and being in community. This woman is isolated. We learn later that she's made some very poor choices in her life. She's done immoral things. She probably doesn't have a great reputation. Jesus starts talking to her. She realized that he knows everything about her life. And he offers her new life, this living water that could come alive in her. She leaves her water jar there, goes back to her town. Again, this woman with not a great reputation. And she tells everybody, this might be the Messiah. And people are astounded. They go out, they meet Jesus, and many believed in him because of the story of this ordinary, kind of down-and-out woman. And time and again in Jesus' ministry, we, Jesus interacts with powerful people. He interacts with religious leaders. But the ones who really embrace the good news of his kingdom, the, one who share, the ones who share it with others are 
described as sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes. These are those who, he was interacting with um, crippled people. He was interacting with poor people. He, they were the ones who were embracing the message of Jesus' kingdom while others were rejecting it. These are ordinary, normal, and even in many ways low people. Even in the early church, when Jesus' followers were going around explaining what Jesus had done and who he was, we read in the book of Acts, in chapter 4, we have his disciples Peter and John, they heal somebody and it creates this great stir of by you know, what power and in what name was this person healed. And they explain that this is Jesus and the power of Jesus and Jesus' kingdom. And they're teaching and they're testifying. And this, the Acts chapter 4, 13 says this. So the people, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. So here we have unschooled, meaning they didn't have any special religious education. They were ordinary. They weren't priests or they weren't teachers or rabbis. They were just normal people who had been with Jesus, but they had power. And they had a message of good news. And the people were astounded by this. This is the pattern of God's kingdom that we see in this world. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 says it this way. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. That's how God works. And ultimately, we see this in the cross. Jesus Christ gives up his life. The the greatest moment of shame and humiliation becomes his greatest moment when Jesus rises from the dead, bringing new life to the world, bringing forgiveness to all who will receive it by faith. It's through the cross that we see the glory of God. It's through ordinary people whose lives have been touched that we see this whole new way of life exploding in this world. And this is just how God works, time and time again. Ordinary people, including these shepherds, including you and me. God calls ordinary people to do extraordinary things. But we don't want to be ordinary. We want to be special. We want to fill our lives with all kinds of busyness. And we want to overthink things. And we, want, we like things to be complicated because it makes us feel important. It makes us feel smart. You know, some of the smartest people in our world make the stupidest decisions. You think about all we hear from experts and all these you know, academics and all the smart people and uh, all these leaders. Sometimes not, uh, the, the wisdom is, of God is just very simple. We want to overcomplicate things, but God has just called us to trust him, to say, God, your way is higher than my way. I don't have all the answers, but I will trust you. You've called me to listen to people, to love them, to serve others. Very simple. And it's a simple message. Look, God has touched my life. I don't have all the, I don't have all the answers. I don't know how it all works together, but this is what God did for me. And it's available to you. It's as simple as that. God wants to do 
a great thing by bringing his love and his very, the power of his kingdom through ordinary you and ordinary me to people everywhere, wherever we go. Not because you're great, not because you have status or power or money or education or anything like that. Nothing wrong with those things, but it's not because you have those things. It's because you know God. You know the creator of the universe and you bring that good news to others. So every day, your life has mission. Your life has purpose. No one should feel like God can't use me or I'm not good enough or I'm not smart enough. God can use you because God loves to use ordinary people to do his amazing kingdom work. We learn that from the shepherds. That's why the shepherds. Secondly, though, why the wise men or the magi? I'll use those titles interchangeably. Same thing. Why the, why the magi? Well, first of all, who are these guys? <laughs> Scripture just says they're from the east. So scholars believe, okay, they must be, you know, the kingdom east of the Roman Empire is the Persian Empire. So these are probably uh, Persian thinkers, scholars, very high class cultural elites. So sort of modern day Iran, it would be sort of Persian Empire at the time of Christ. Uh, they were likely some sort of priest or religious leader. Again, we're not sure, but very likely that their, their spiritual beliefs would be Zoroastrianism, because that came to, uh, into prominence in that region just before the time of Christ, the, teaching of, the teachings of Zoroaster. Uh, so they were essentially astrologers. They're looking to the sky, they're looking at the stars and the planets, and they're looking for signs. They're looking for signs of the rising and falling of kingdoms and trying to predict the future and, and do these sort of, uh, sort of things. So kind of a pseudoscience. And they see a star. So what was the star? And there's a lot of theories out there what this star was. Was it um, an actual star or a comet that appeared? Was it the alignment of certain planets that appeared bright in the sky? There's a lot of different theories about this. I think the smartest theory is to say it's supernatural, that God made it happen and they saw it, that you won't be able to explain it through sort of natural phenomenon. I don't know. Um, it sort of moves in a way, if you read about it, it moves in a way that would be hard to explain by natural phenomenon. But these religious folks, these wise men travel not just to chase the star and to see what happened, but the scripture says that they, they said, we saw the star and we came to worship the king who was born. If, in fact, they were Zoroastrian in their belief, that is a monotheistic faith system. It's a, it's a belief that believes in that there's this cosmic battle between good and evil. And, and it is a, a religion that believes that there is a, a savior that will come. And if you think about it, in the Persian Empire, there were, there were prophets from Israel. There were Jewish prophets in Persia because God's people got exiled and they end up under Persian rule. If you think of the prophet Daniel, was a, a leader and an influencer in his day in Persian world. Daniel, and again, you could read Daniel's story and you can read all his prophecy in the book of Daniel in your Bible. 
But in Daniel chapter 9, he's the one who made the clearest prediction about the birth, the timing of the birth of the Messiah. So these prophecies would have been known in that region. And so perhaps they've sort of done the calculations and they're looking at the sky and they're saying, this, there is a Savior that's coming. And they saw this sign in the sky and they went. They said, we're going to go worship this, this new king who has come to save the world. These are individuals who are looking for meaning. They're looking for revelation. They're looking to the heavens. They're, perhaps they have a faith system that would be expecting this. And it leads them to Jesus, the Messiah. And somehow they're compelled to worship this baby. Why? Why the Magi? They show us that Jesus is good news for all the nations. For all people. Not just for God's special chosen people, Israel, and God revealed himself powerly, powerfully through this one nation. But it was never just for one people group. That the good news of God's kingdom is for all the nations. And these foreigners show us that it, it's for them as well. That that Jesus came to bring salvation to everyone. We, we see that even the powerful and the influential, and they are compelled to bow their knee to Jesus. People from every background, people from every nationality, people from every faith tradition, finding the truth of Jesus Christ and who he was and what he came here to accomplish, and then worship him. That's what God is doing. Jesus said it this way. He said, seek and you will find. That all these paths of seeking truth and seeking revelation, when you, when you focus that seeking on Jesus, you find the truth of God. And you, and you, and you, are, you, you find it. And you are saved. And you come to worship. Yet so many people do not find Jesus. Many people are just not seeking If the promise is seek and you will find, why do people not seek? This is one of the most haunting verses in all of Scripture. John chapter 1. This is one of Jesus' disciples writing. He says, he, this is Jesus, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. That the God of the universe who made everything that is seen and unseen came to this world and this world does not even recognize him. People say things like, I don't need God. You know, I'm happy without him. Why would I need that? To those folks, I'd say, you're happy without him, but your greatest need is not happiness. Your greatest need is forgiveness. Without God's forgiveness, we're in big trouble. God is a loving father, but he's also a righteous judge. And If we don't accept that Jesus paid the penalty for us on that cross, then we will pay that penalty ourselves. And I don't say that to be a downer on the week of Christmas. I don't say that to judge anyone. I say that because there is so much lostness in this world. That people are so lost in sin, they don't even realize they need a Savior. Our Savior is Jesus. You seek him, you will find him. Other people say, well... That's fine for you, but I don't need religious rules. I don't need, I don't need to conform to your system of morality. I can live a good moral life without your Jesus thing. 
And I'll admit, you know, when we follow God, we realize that he has a way of life that he's shown us that is good and it is moral and it is right. But God is never going to ask you to, God is not going to deny you something that is good. He is a loving father. The only things he asks us to stop and to put away are things that will ultimately harm us. And we need to admit that his way is greater than our way, that our own sense of right and wrong might even be distorted, and, but that his is perfect because he made the world and he knows how it's supposed to work and he showed us that even if it doesn't make sense to us. Other people, they don't find Jesus, they're not looking, they say, hey, I'm not the religious type, I'm just not, I'm not good enough. To that person I say, that's the whole point, you're not good enough, neither am I, none of us are. We need a savior. God has made it possible for any of us to know him, to pull us out of however not good we are. He's a holy God, we are sinful people, we are separated from him. And yet he's come to us. Seek and you will find. But perhaps the most common reason people don't seek Jesus is they say, not now. That sounds important to me. That actually sounds good to me. I'll get to it. Someday. Take care of that later. All I can say to you, if if you feel that way, you don't know how many days you have. If you have any sense that God is drawing you or calling you or pulling at your heart in any way, do not ignore that. Today can be the day of salvation. Don't fight that. You may not have another opportunity to respond in faith. Don't ignore it. Jesus says, seek and you will find. These ancient spiritual, religious people, they sought it, they found it, They worship Jesus. I encourage you to seek. There's lots of ways we seek together. We gather to worship every week. We gather in small groups. Would love to see you connect with a group. We uh, we just finished an alpha course. They had a big party. Um, Big party. They they fell in love with each other, this group. They just had so much fun, and they love to party. But this is a group of people just uh, asking Difficult questions of faith and exploring that together. And they just finished that course. We're going to do another one uh, this winter. Encourage you. That's a great way to seek. Um, Seek and you will find. I love this season. I love the parties. I love the music. I love the candles. I love it all. And I love the story that God has given us, the true story. Because it does kind of draw us in. And today maybe you feel like one of those shepherds who just an ordinary person, how could God possibly use you? Yet that's exactly how the God of the universe works. He takes normal, everyday, ordinary people. We hear the good news that God lifts you up. God invites you to to experience his kingdom and to then bring that good news to others. Or maybe in the story you feel more like the Magi. Maybe you're kind of seeking or... Maybe you put that off, but there you, there's something out there. You, you want to find it. Um, your invitation this morning is to consider Jesus. Consider this child born into a humble situation, a very unlikely, um, very unlikely beginning for a king, but who came to bring salvation and redemption to the whole world and to bring that to you. And if God is drawing you this morning, Jesus says, seek and you will find. Let us pray. Father, 
I pray that if there's anyone in this room who just senses that you're drawing them right now, that they would in faith turn to you and say, yes, I hear your voice, God. I, I turn in faith to you. I believe. Lord, fill us with your spirit. Help us to know that by faith we can be your children and that we indeed are your children as we trust you. We thank you that Jesus came and that he lived and that he died for us and that he rose to new life, that we might know the new life of your kingdom and of your way. I pray that people would experience new life even now as they pray. Lord, give us faith. And Lord, we ask that you give us deeper faith that we might, this week, as we celebrate and as we, as we worship and as we gather as families, as we um, enjoy this season, that our joy would be in you. Because you've come to bring us joy and that our joy might be full and complete. Do your good work, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.